0: Welcome to Tales of Beautiful Feet, where we recount the stories of ordinary American Christians involved in taking the good news to a spiritually dark world. Listen and be challenged to go beyond what you've ever done before, beyond your comfort zone so that others can come to know our Savior. We'll hear firsthand from those who've gone about the experiences they've had, the lives they've seen changed and the way they've been changed themselves. And we'll tell you how you too can meaningfully participate in Jesus' great commission to the church. So grab a Bible and a notepad if you like while we celebrate the verse that says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The episode that you're about to hear is part one of a two-part interview with one of the brothers who has worked with me in previous mission trips. In this first portion, we discuss some of the work we did together in door-to-door evangelistic work and church planting in his nation. In the second portion, we will discuss the current ministry that he has with his wife in the red light district in one of his nation's largest cities. I hope you enjoy this episode,
1: the Not Forgotten Interview, part one. Yeah. Well, today I have a treat, and uh, it may be a while before I I share this. This is in the early days of uh, January, and uh, I want to introduce you to um, a friend of mine from Uh, I'm going to call him today for the purposes of this recording, Robert. That's not his real name. (laughs) And the reason it's not his real name is he works in um, a major metropolitan uh, area. I'll edit that too. <laughs> <laughs> Metropolitan. In, in, in a major city um, in South Asia where missionary work is um, not looked on with favor. And so uh, just to reduce the chances that this interview can hurt him in his ministry, we're, we're not going to refer to the nation. We're not going to refer to the city. Uh, we're not going to refer to his real name. Uh, we're not going to refer to my real name although most of you listening will know me um, and, and the bottom line is to keep that from being searchable out on the public internet so that it might come back to harm either one of us in our in our work yes. all of that said yeah uh, let's start by first I want to talk about the work that we've done together cool. several years yep. back yeah and it's in a ministry that you're no longer directly involved in. Yep. Um, and then after that, I want to talk about the ministry that you're doing today. Cool. So, yeah. um, the reason that I want to, wanted to interview you is because you were in the position of being one of our national partners in country as our team made a short-term trip yeah. there. So, tell me about how that impacted you guys working in this this nation that we won't name, <laughs> and um, uh, how that. Uh, how it impacted you to have Americans come in and help?
2: Um, I would say that has a huge, that had a huge impact over the years because when a team comes to our nation, they're going to go do door-to-door evangelism. Or however they try to approach people, they're approaching people with Jesus, what we desperately need of. And we've seen many churches uh, been planted because of the team came into where the nation I'm from. <laughs> I'll try, <laughs> to <edit> that, <laughs> try to edit that. will try to edit that part. Yeah, so because the team came to our nation and preached the gospel and tried reaching out people, that's the reason we were able to gather them together and form house searches. And also those house searches became bigger and they kept going larger and larger. And then also people headed out of those house searches and planted new ones. So we, can, we could see so many so many impacts in our in our uh, society and how people were able to hear about the savior that who's been slain just because of their sin and which was amazing
1: one of the things that people who are skeptical of short-term mission trips will say is that it's probably not appropriate for americans who want to go on a mission trip to go into a country and do for the Christians there what they can and should be doing for themselves, that for us to do that creates a, a model of dependency, where they're depending on the American missions. Um, and I, I actually agree with that. So in your words, what do we bring to the effort that you you guys were
2: not able to do for yourselves? So, so I can refer to a scripture where Jesus talks about, you know, you um I'm forgetting that you got to edit that part where Jesus talks about the people don't uh, give respect in their own profit in
1: their hometown yeah, yeah in their
2: hometown, but they always they're highly respected in the other town. So I would say a lot of times as if we go into an area and try to reach out people, uh, people don't always pay attention if we are not doing certain things to get their attention. But if we bring an American or a white person with us, that helps a lot because immediately we can have 30, 40 people gathering around us and out of curiosity, why these people are here, what they are trying to do, and what they have to say. So that opens up a door of opportunities for us to be able to reach them with the gospel. Right. So So we we draw the crowd. So you draw the crowd just just by your presence, just simply being there, you draw a huge crowd and that that opens up an opportunity for us to be able to share the gospel with them. Awesome.
1: Now, in the aftermath,
2: once we have come
1: with our team and we've worked with you guys, uh, you've got translators and church workers that work along with us, and we visit all the villages, we share the gospel, and then we go home, what happens next?
2: Uh, So there is sharing the gospel is what I would say easy part, but the follow-up is much harder. So what we do, we do the follow-up part. So we we um, regularly go to those villages where wherever we we took the team to, and uh, try to invite them over to someone's house and and try to form a church, like try to feed them spiritually and and guide their path uh, with God. Awesome. And
1: we should note, again, to satisfy that that, uh, objection that we shouldn't be doing for the in-country Christians what they can do for themselves, we should note that all of that follow-up work is by people who live in your nation, right?
2: Yes, that's true. That's exactly true because you cannot be there forever and do the follow-up. So definitely the local leadership has to... Come up uh, into its place and do the job that they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be doing and what God has appointed them into. So that's where the the local leadership comes in position. Yep. Yeah.
1: I know that you've been uh, out of your involvement with that work for a time now, and so I'm not expecting this information to be fresh, and I'm, I'm not even expecting it to be accurate because I'm I'm kind of blindsiding you with yeah, this. No, yeah. But uh, just ballpark uh, and just. Your impression? How many house churches do you think you participate You saw planted as a result of these short-term trips?
2: Um, I would say one too many. I don't have the exact number, but I can say, I mean, what I have seen uh, with my own eyes, uh, I would say at least uh, at least a thousand in different parts of. I mean, they are not always very visible for right. people to be able to recognize uh, those churches as a house church because because of the level of persecution right. that we might go through. I was going to say, we generally don't want them yeah. to be terribly visible. Yeah, Us- usually I...
0: At this point in the interview, we had a segment that I needed to edit out for security reasons. As I was doing the editing, I decided that this was a good point to break the interview into two parts. So thank you for listening. I welcome your feedback by email or on my blog. The email address is beautifulfeet at protonmail.com The blog address is www.beautifulfeet.life.